How is everybody? Yeah, it's so good to, to see you all today. Uh, I was away for a week, uh, missed uh, two Sundays, although I was at the four o'clock service last week, but uh, it's really good to see you, and I want to thank Claire and James Cooper, uh, Aaron French for filling in while I was gone. Um, and uh, if you are new today, we have been going through the Gospel of John uh, in, in the Bible, and last week uh, we had the story of Jesus uh, turning over the tables in the marketplace. And James Cooper talked about how Jesus is once in a while um, going to turn the tables over in our lives. How many have ever experienced that? Um, and uh, I know I have. And um, I want to start today right where that story left off. So if you could grab a Bible and turn to John chapter 2 with me. John chapter 2, there's some page numbers up on the screen. And uh, then I'm going to have you leave your Bible open because we're going to walk through some more verses after the two that I read, or the three, excuse me, that I read. But um, I I just want to say before I read them that I think these are like, you know, a few of the most interesting verses, not only in John's gospel, but in all the Bible. And so I do want to read them and spend a, a few minutes talking about them with you today. So um, I'm beginning at the end of John chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. Uh, Follow along as I read. Um, Because of the miraculous signs that Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Isn't that interesting? Here's our question for today. How have you struggled with trust? Uh, So I've uh, left a little extra time today for the question, uh, because it's it's a pretty big question. Love to have some of you answer. Bill and Flint are going to run mics. If you'd like to answer, you get their attention. Stand up, speak directly in the mic, give us a brief answer. I will remind you um, before we get started that this service is live streamed, so your answer will be on the internet. Um, but um, I, I know the transparency of this church. Uh, who'd be willing to help us get started? So how have you struggled with trust? <coughs> Uh, Michael, and uh, I give people the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I think, I just believe that I, people are going to be honest right off, right off the, with me like I am, you know. But I usually get let down, and, I'll, and if they, you know, because I'm expecting the truth, and, and uh, you know, and it's not like that, and I just got to learn to figure that out, and, you know. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Appreciate you answering. Who else would be willing to share? Yeah, my name is Steve. Um, uh, that's kind of a touchy uh, topic, but uh, yes, I do have trouble with trust issues, um, especially authority figures sometimes. And in my own personal relationships, I struggle with trust, but then I'll pass by. Oh, thanks, Steve. All right, who else is willing to share today? 
Hi, church family. I'm Heather. One of the things I've struggled with is trusting men because I grew up in a family where my father was abusive, and it's caused me to have issues with trusting men in general throughout my entire life since then. Thank you for be willing, being willing to share that, Heather. Appreciate that a lot. <clears throat> All right. Who else would be willing to share? Hello, I'm Galen. Um, I might struggle with trust. Okay, so I might trust too much, too easily, uh, and that has caused me problems in the past. But I think I would rather continue to, to expect the best out of people, hmm. even if it hurts me. Hmm. Thanks, Galen. Hi, Lighthouse. I'm Louisa, and I'm going to piggyback off of what Heather said. I've been having... Um, till I came to this church and met Steve, um, I have had a hard time trusting men, especially those in those who are authority figures, such as cops and stuff. And um, like, I still struggle with that from time to time, and. Like, my trust issues with men has actually gotten me to the point where I would literally take um, not-so-healthy decisions about my own personal care in order to keep people away. Thank you, Louisa, for being willing to share that. Yep. <clears throat> All right, anybody else? Tim? Go here, and then we're going to come back there. I'm Tim. Um, I've had my fair share of struggles with trusting God. Um, his ways are different than our ways, and uh, in order for me to get a better life, it's usually his way and not my way, but sometimes I feel like my way would be better, even though I'm, I know it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for sharing that, Tim. That's pretty common. Appreciate it. Uh, just trusting myself sometimes, no trusting yourself. And you want to follow through with the things you want to follow through and the goals you want to have, and, and you let yourself down, and it's trusting yourself time and time again. That's what I think I, I might struggle with. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that one. Thank you for sharing that. All right, um, anybody else want to share? Got time for one more if any, somebody else would be interested. All right, Heather, we'll wrap up with Heather. I grew up in a family where you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm. You don't rely on other people. So for me, the hardest thing to trust is if I ask for help, trusting that help will come. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. I knew today's uh, question would really elicit a lot of interesting responses. Um, so I just want to read those two verses again, verses 24 and 25. But Jesus didn't trust people because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. These are two verses that, to me, just jump off the page. Uh, they are easy to miss in the Bible, uh, or to even skip over in a series like we are doing. I think they are complex in many ways, but also quite simple. 
Um, they are deep, and to me, they are humbling. Because here's what they say. Jesus knows all about you. He understands what is in your heart, and he doesn't trust you. <laughs> At least not on your own, because he knows all about people. Turn and tell somebody, ouch, that hurts. So let's get real for a moment. I can have trouble trusting people too. Tell somebody, I'm sure he trusts me. Don't count on it. Heck, I don't even trust myself sometimes. Huh? It's a joke around here, but it's also true. Um, my best thinking got me to Lighthouse Church. Yeah. Turn and tell somebody I'm glad you're here. I've, uh, I've learned that my life can be challenging. Um, I am powerless over some compulsive behaviors. Um, somebody gave me some sugar right before the service. And I can't wait to get more when I'm done. But some of my compulsive behaviors are, are even more serious than sugar. Um, I'm powerless over many things, people, situations. And um, let me just be frank. Um, at times, my life can be unmanageable. Turn and tell somebody, that's me too. So, uh, it's a pretty profound couple of verses in the Bible. Jesus knew all about human nature. What he knows is that you and I can be trusted to be self-centered. To usually focus on ourselves and be motivated to act out of selfish interests. You can be trusted or I can be trusted that I usually am going to think about me first and last. And if everybody understood that the whole universe kind of revolves around me, then the world would be a better place. So when we talk about original sin, that's largely what we're talking about. Um, it's hard uh, because not only do lots of us here deal with this original, sinful, prideful, self-centered nature, but lots of people in this room, lots of people perhaps watching online, um, have had trust broken by other people in their life. And um, that makes trust very difficult. Maybe you feel like, I don't trust anybody but myself. And um, here's, here's just a, a life truth that um, I think it's important for us to remember. People are going to always let us down. It's part of the human nature and the human condition. Um, you can trust that, by the way. But here's the good news. Um, my, my friends, there is someone that you can trust. 
And that's what we're going to learn about today. So grab your Bible again, and we're going to look at chapter 3. I want to start with just the first two verses, and then we're going to go on. So uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee, After dark, say after dark. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. Um, I think it's so interesting and easy to miss that Nicodemus comes to Jesus after dark. Say after dark. It could be a number of reasons why. Maybe Jesus was finally alone and Nicodemus had a chance to have a private conversation. Maybe Nicodemus, a Pharisee and a member of the group who had issues with Jesus and who were eventually responsible for his crucifixion, maybe Nicodemus didn't want anyone to see him talking to Jesus. Or maybe Nicodemus also didn't trust people because he knew what was in their heart. I'm reminded in just these two verses of John chapter 1, verse 5. Some of you were here when we talked about it. talked about how Jesus is light, and the light shines in the darkness. Uh, The light shines in the darkness. Here's something that I want you to know. You probably already know this. It is often in the dark that we meet Jesus. Maybe it would be even better to say it this way. It's often in the dark when Jesus meets us. Some of you may be here because you've been in a dark place lately. Um, Or maybe you're just beginning to see the crack of dawn in your life. I want you to know that Jesus meets us in the darkness. That's what the story, that's what the message of Jesus is all about. He doesn't wait for you to come into the light before he approaches you. He brings his light into our darkness That, my friends, is what Lighthouse Church is all about. I know this to be true personally, you see. In my darkest time, I was struggling with my own addiction and depression. And during um, what was a very, very dark time, um, God seemed to be very far away. Anybody here ever experienced that? Um, now, in hindsight, which is always 2020, uh, I can see that Jesus was with me in that darkness, that he was actually working in the darkness, and that little by little, little by little, the light began to shine in the darkness. So if you are in a dark place, I want you to know this. Darkness is not the final verdict. God loves you even in the darkness. He knows and he understands. He knows all about your struggles. He knows about your pain, even the self-inflicted pain, which is what most of our pain is. He knows about your difficulties. He loves you even where you are today. He loves you unconditionally. I tell you all the time, there's nothing you can do today that's going to make him love you more 
than he already did yesterday or make him love you more tomorrow. The light will shine again. Turn and tell somebody, the light will shine again. All right, so we're going to go on in this story. Um, Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3. So, verse 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, say born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man, excuse me, old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Say water and the Spirit. An obvious reference to both baptism, but also the coming of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives life to the spiritual life. I want you to remember that. So don't be surprised um, when you say, you must be, or when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. Um, you, can, you can't... So you can't explain how people are born from the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you that we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet we won't believe, you won't believe what our testimony is. But if you don't believe um, me when I tell you everything uh, about earthly things, how can you possibly... I need to get my bifocals lined up here. Um, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses was lifted um, up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Why don't you read verses 16 and 17 with me? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Well, there's a lot in that section. And uh, we're going to tackle some of it next week. Uh, but there are a couple of things that I do want to share with you today that I think are, are really important for us to understand in, in this journey of of life and faith that we are at Lighthouse, that we are on in Lighthouse. Um, the first thing is that um, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. Verse 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water um, and the Spirit. Um, you know, so what is, what is the kingdom of God? I I said earlier that there is somebody that you can trust. Uh, Let's talk about the kingdom of God. So what is a kingdom? A kingdom is where people live under the lordship, the leadership, and the care of the king. Um, And so, um, you know, in the United States of America, we don't have a kingdom as such. um, But in our faith, we do. Uh, We believe that there is something called the kingdom of God that we enter when we believe in Jesus. And that um, we now have a king, that is Jesus himself. Um, I have a little diagram I'm going to put up on the screen. I've shared this over the years. 
Um, theologians um, for centuries have talked about how um, simultaneously we as Christians, people who believe and follow Jesus, um, that we live in two kingdoms. We live in the kingdom of this world. We all live in the kingdom of this world. We're in the kingdom of the world right now. We're here um, in the kingdom of the world. You have responsibilities. Uh, you have to pay your rent. We eat. We try to take care of ourselves. We have jobs to do. Um, the kingdom of this world is the, the here and the now. But what Jesus is talking about here is that when we come to know Jesus, when the Spirit kind of moves us to a place of faith, what happens is that we also then live into the kingdom of God. Uh, it's not the same as the kingdom of the world. They might overlap, obviously. You can see on the screen. But literally, um, we now live in this spiritual realm. Many of you have experienced that in your, in your journey. Like there's this spiritual thing that's kind of taking over me that is reshaping me and reforming me. And that is the kingdom of God. That is the, the kingdom that the Holy Spirit works um, in our life. And it is more of a spiritual kingdom. The cool thing is that when we are in the kingdom of God, it begins to help give us stability in life and it helps us to grow in profound ways. The kingdom of God is a spiritual reality it is in our hearts, says Jesus. It is in our midst. And in the kingdom of God, you can trust the king. That's what I want you to know. Huh? There is someone you can trust. Doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Some of you said it's hard to trust God sometimes. Um, but in the kingdom of God, we can learn to trust the king. Um, in the kingdom of God, we learn that the king has our back. That's good. Um, he sets the rules. Turn and tell somebody, I don't like rules. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that differently. In the kingdom of God, he orders our lives. Huh? Um, in the kingdom of God, we learn to trust that maybe some of the ways that we lived before are not the best for us. And so we begin to learn to trust his guidance and his words. Here's one. No matter what goes on in the world around us, including the election, we're going to be okay because we've got a king. Huh? We've got a king. This isn't our home, ultimately. And, you know, things like what goes on politically in this world, because we still live in this world, it's important. But ultimately... Um, we've got a king. It's going gonna, it's gonna to all work out in the end. In the kingdom of God, his judgments are certain, final. And we know that he judges with grace. Though I sin and do wrong, I am righteous. Not because of what I do, but because I have accepted what Jesus has done for me on the cross. It's pretty profound. I am who the king says I am in the kingdom of God. The world may define me in all sorts of ways, but those aren't my real true identity. Um, I am not who the world says I am. I am not my mistakes. I am not my struggles. I'm not even my job. I am a child of God. I am a child of the king, precious and redeemed, free and loved and chosen. And if you believe in Jesus, you are all those things too. 
So unless, verse 3, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Wow, that's interesting. Verse verse 5, I assure you, says Jesus, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the Spirit. So what does it mean to be born again or born of the Spirit? Um, So I I don't want to let that term scare you. Okay, don't let that term scare you. Um, if you believe in Jesus, uh, that he is your Savior and your Lord, then can I just tell you that you've already been born again. Um, you are in the process of being reborn. Um, you have been born of the Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, You can only say Jesus is Lord if the Holy Spirit has already claimed you and is working in your life. And so we're going to have a chance to do that at the end of the service, by the way. But but, um, one of the things that I I think is too bad is we've kind of religionized this term, born again. And some of you associate it probably with uh, judgmental born-again Christians that we see in the news once in a while. And uh, they don't always paint a pretty picture uh, of our faith. Um, Many of us perhaps have been asked, are you sure you're born again? You know, are you sure you've done enough? So here's what the book of Romans says. Paul says this in chapter 10. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead, then you're born again. You're born of the Spirit. If you confess with your lips, if you believe in your heart, um, then Jesus and the Holy Spirit already lives inside of you. Um, let me, uh, I'm going to give you a Greek lesson. Somebody say yay. yay. Yeah, it's so exciting. So um, we're going to talk about uh, what Jesus means by born again or born of the Spirit. So the Greek word that he uses is the word anothen. Can you say anothen? All right, you know some Greek. See, you can brag all week. Learn some Greek this week. Um, anothen. Um, here's, here's the deal. What, what um, anothen means is, is, first of all, from the beginning or completely. And so um, it kind of has that connotation that, that it's a reborn. Um, but it also means, again, for the second time, And it means from above or from God. So it's not so much something that you and I do, it's something that God does um, in our lives. Now, oftentimes, if you look up a word in the dictionary and it has three meanings, we think, okay, which of the three meanings does it have, right? In the Greek, it's different. When a Greek word has three meanings, it means all of them, generally, okay? So it means all of these things at the same time that we are being born from the beginning and reborn completely as we go forward, that this is a kind of a second birth in our life, and it's not something that we are doing kind of like your first birth wasn't much, you didn't have much to do with it. Um, but, but in many ways, it's kind of the same in that God has come and is rebirthing us. In other words, it's a change that happens in our life from God, by God. You don't do it yourself. Instead, we learn to submit to it. We learn to surrender to it. 
we learn to trust that God is working in our life even if it doesn't always feel like he is. You submit to what God is trying to do. Um, but he's, he's already there. You have that assurance. You live in the kingdom. So let me just say quickly that when um, you say that, um, the king um, is beginning to work in our lives, it can also be a little unsettling. Uh, James last week, as I mentioned, talked about how once in a while Jesus will come into our lives and turn over some tables. Um, how many have had tables turned over in their life? Um, yeah, I have. Um, boy, it can be pretty, um, uh, pretty messy. And, and um, you know, I think, though, that we can trust that even though it's unsettling, he is always doing something new. He is recreating us. Uh, the challenge is, and I just want to make sure that you hear this, the challenge is, is that in his recreation and formation of you and me in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, he's usually going to use our mistakes and our struggles the most to shape the new person. See, I would rather I was able to be here to tell you that now that you're born again or born of the Spirit, there are going to be no more struggles. That's not how it is. And in fact, I've shared before that I tend to think that, that um, and I've learned in my own kind of spiritual journey, that I think God looks at our struggles radically differently than we do. I think we look at our struggles and we think, oh no, the light, my, my world is ending. I don't know if I want to go on living. The shame and the guilt is so overwhelming. This is horrible. And I think sometimes God looks at it and says, oh man, I'm going to be able to use this, aren't, aren't I? Yeah? Just think what I can do with this. If you and I look back, Greatest periods of our growth have been when things were not going well. So if you're in the darkness right now, hold on. God's doing something great, right? Hold on. God's doing something great. The wind blows. The spirit blows wherever it wills, even over our chaos and in our darkness. And so if you're in that place right now, lean into him. He loves you. Lean into him. You know, be here in community. I'm preaching to the choir today, but be here in community. Put yourself in places where God can work. Here's the deal. The you that he is recreating is a person of light, and it is a person of growth. Um, but we're going to struggle, and there are going to be times when we take some steps backward, um, but God is going to use that. Um, he, is re he is recreating us and it is a lifetime process. It's not something that you arrive at. You know, I look back, and I have, I have grown more the last few years of my life than I sometimes did decades put together. Um, and so, you know, and I'm old. Sometimes God works quickly in our lives, but often he works slowly. And so the person that God is working on in you is one that is so precious to him. Never forget that.